All right, guys, so we are refocusing again on the barn and uh, comparing us um, to uh, the shape of the church in the New Testament. And this morning we're going to be talking about the New Testament church leadership, local church leadership, which was the eldership in the church. So that's why the title was selected, Elders. Leaders in the local church. So there were not elders who are leaders in several churches. They, I mean, there are elders who are leaders in several churches, but they're not the same body of elders. Uh, elders are, by definition, people who are uh, appointed and confirmed by the congregation, appointed uh, by the Lord's appointment, and put into place. And they provide leadership that we're going to talk about, the kind of leadership that is. Uh, today. So I want to start with a story. When I was a young Christian, uh, I was uh, brought into the kingdom of God in time of revival, as you guys know, at, at the uh, Jesus People uh, Center, which was over in w- uh, Wilmington, one of them. That, that's the Wilmington Jesus People. And we were housed in uh, a Baptist church, a charismatically oriented Baptist church. So they were Baptist over here and charismatic over here. And and so that, that was interesting to see how that worked. So, uh, but one of the things I became aware of when I became a member of that church, which I, which I gladly did, was that there was this body, this group of men in the church who were the exalted ones. And it was like, really? I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. It was really like there was a kind of reverence around them. They were the elders. And so it was kind of like, kind of like a, a combination of uh, the, the um, parole board for O.J. Simpson's parole trial. Those kind of reminded me of the <laughs> parole board there, you know, people sh- shuffling papers and you know, deciding. And then uh, that and the, the two guys in the Muppet show up in, up in the balcony, you know. <laughs> Those guys. So they were like austere. They were really, really out there. And they were, you know, very, very kind of distant and, and, and holy. And as a matter of fact, I have, I have a picture of the lead elder uh, that I was able to retrieve. There, there he is. <laughs> Filled with the inexpressible joy of the Lord. <laughs> so, talk about approachable. <laughs> no, they weren't nearly as bad as I'm making them out to be, but there was an aura about them. And uh, they were really the decision maker yeah you can get rid of that <laughs> please thank you <laughs> so these guys were uh, the decision makers concerning pretty much everything in the church and there was a, an element to their ministry that was decidedly missing that i believe does belong to the position the function in the church of elders. And so we're going to jump into uh, a very quick and not completely thorough, but 
a little, a little better than narrow or superficial. We're going to jump into a kind of a little bit of a biblical study of eldership and then talk at the end about the kind of elders that we in particular, Lynn and I, kind of are the, well, we're the co-senior pastors of the church here and, and we are uh, delighted to be able to appoint new elders, uh, some of whom have served on the old elders team, but we've got a, a lot of new ones as well that we're putting into that position, and we're very excited about, about that, working with our new team of leaders. So let's go to the, uh, let's skip over the next slide real quick and then go to the one following it. <laughs> All right, so we're going to answer four questions today, and I'm going to do this mainly by kind of teaching from the slides because we have a good bit of information to get through, and I do want to try to get through it. So the four questions we're going to answer today, not necessarily... Uh, in uh, exact order, there'll be some overlap, so some repetition of the material, but not a lot. Number one, who were elders biblically? Number two, what qualities of character should elders have? Number three, what are the biblical roles of elders? In other words, how do they function? What makes them elders? What is elding? What does that mean? And number four, what are the specific requirements and roles of elders at the barn? So, Lynn and I feel like the Lord has given us a couple of foci, a couple of specific emphases for those who will serve as elders here at the barn. So, next slide, please. Who were elders biblically? They were spiritually gifted, more mature people of good character. All these phrases are important. In a local church, charged, this is their job, with pastoring, shepherding, leading kind of conglomerating those three functions together there. Uh, probably the best way of putting what an elder does is an elder performs the function of a shepherd of the flock. And uh, does not mean the person is a pastor or a designated pastor or what is traditionally called the pastor of the church, but that as a body, as a group, Elders engage in shepherding. We're getting in, we'll get into that a little bit more later on. God's people and God's work in the church. Now, the elders at the church where I was initially discipled as a young believer did a good job of shepherding that church in the second part of the function, God's work in the church. So they did that well, and they... They gave attention to issues that needed to be looked at and they prayerfully considered those issues and then they came up with a decision. But I don't think that they focused much on the first part of the object of shepherding and leading and pastoring, which was directly in God's people. So I know I did not have much of a relationship with Anyone in the eldership except one person, Jesse. Remember Jesse? We were, Jesse was an elder. And Jesse was very close to us and took a real interest in Lynn and me as young believers. But the rest of them did not have much of a relational um, element to what they did. And that's, I think, something that you'll see is important as we kind of unfold what elders are to be like here at the barn. Okay, next slide, please. What qualities of character should elders have? Now, I could have picked 
from a number of scriptures in order to really unpack this. And uh, you'll see at the end of what we're doing here, this section, you'll see the scriptures listed. If you do want to jot them down and look at them on your own, that would be really good. There's great information in there on what elders do and what their characteristics ought to be. Uh, but we're focusing, for the purpose of time, what we're doing today, just on one major passage, First Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Starts out, here's a trustworthy saying, Paul says. That could be a quote that was floating around in the early church, or it could just be simply Paul saying, here's something that's true. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, Greek word is episcope, he desires a noble task. Interesting, a noble task. The word is, is, um, mean, has some more dignity to it, has some more majesty to it than simply is going to perform a good function. To be an elder is to do a job in a church, but it's also, God tells us here, it is something that has a noble quality to it. If you do it well, God is pleased, and, and there's a sense of... Um, of favor and, 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 and uplift that God gives the one who performs the function of an elder well. So it's not just a, a position that has to be filled. It's something that, if well done, has a, has, a, has a return in the life of the elder himself or herself. Now, the overseer, and this word overseer, or um, could also be translated bishop in some translations that you may have read it, it's, it was translated bishop. Now the overseer also, elsewhere elder, and the Greek word is presbyteros. Presbyteros. We do get the word Presbyterian from this. Presbyterian denomination is an elders-ruled denomination. That's why they chose Presbyterian. Now, interestingly, the, the word presbyteros is from a Greek word, presbos, which means literally old man. And um, actually, the, he, one of the Hebrew words for elder is the word zagen, and that word means gray-bearded one. So I think there's an implication that probably most of the time, those who will be serving as elders will be older. <laughs> Now, the culture, <clears throat> lest you might be thinking this, the culture of the New Testament was a patriarchal culture. So Jesus entered into it. Jesus brought about spiritual and then growing social equality among men and women and in the church. Leadership was given to those in the early church who were qualified and gifted women. And we believe that even though the language of the information given to us in Scripture is uniformly male concerning elders. That reflected the culture of the time. And that was a reality in the early church. In the, in the second century, there is some evidence that by that time, there were women elders who were being installed into local churches and functioning as elders. So what we believe is that the culture was such that males pretty much only until the second century, served as elders in the church. But the culture has shifted. The educational level has shifted. The sense of who can bear responsibility and have authority has shifted. And so we do believe that the core of the gospel 
is the freedom of men and women to be one in Christ. And so, so although we do talk about elders in male terms, please understand that women serving in eldership is also a reality that we do adopt here at this church. Okay, so let's go on to the qualities. Next slide. Okay, elders must be. Now, there is no question that a person who serves as an elder in a local church primarily must meet a rather strict set of spiritual and moral criteria. Okay? The key thing that Paul was looking for in the establishment of elders was really good character. Now, there is some gifting that he's looking for as well. You'll see this later on, primarily in the realm of teaching and the ability to teach. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of emphasis on the gifting of the elders. There's a lot of emphasis on the character. So, you could have an enormously gifted person in the congregation who's doing great things for God, but a little shaky in some character elements, not, you know, not too far out to actually then not be able to minister in the church, but, but shaky in some areas and with some difficult personal difficulties that yet are not worked out. And so they would not qualify to be on the eldership team. So here are the, the list of qualities that are listed in the scripture with regard to elders. Number one, about a Above reproach. Now, in the King James, I believe that's actually translated blameless. Now, when I first read that, I thought, wow, who could ever qualify? Who is ever blameless? That connotes perfection to me. It sounds like absolute perfection. Above reproach is also a really high bar. But literally, what that means, in its word, as you unpack it, it means with integrity and not able to be blamed for wrongdoing. So basically, this is a person whose current life does not reflect any areas that people, particularly from the outside or inside the Christian community, could point to those areas and say, Here are act- here's an active area where this person falls short of the definition of a, of a good citizen in the culture. Now, in the ancient culture, both in Roman uh, um, culture and in Greek culture and in Hebrew culture, there were high bars for citizenry. In other words, there, there was a, a system of um, philosophic um, understandings about what made a man or a woman good, speaking of good. And, and these qualities are built into the eldership as well. So this is not uh, unique to what you'll find in the New Testament scriptures. You'll find stuff like this for who can qualify for, you know, citizenry offices, those in the Roman government who would be magistrates or who have positions of, uh, uh, of, of importance and prominence in the administration of, of Rome's uh, empire, Uh, So these kind of qualities would be there too. So it was expected not only of spiritual leaders, but also of secular leaders. The ancient world had a very high bar for this. In our modern world, not so high. Okay, Above reproach. Secondly, husband of one wife. 
And you can, we, you know, commentators fight about what this actually means and have developed some doctrine that excludes a lot of people from eldership on the basis of it. But most people believe that at the very least what it means is faithful to his wife. So someone is not engaged in extramarital stuff that is not seemly. So there's a, there's a looking at the family and there's a, a designation of marital fidelity and, and a good relationship there between husband and wife. If a female elder then faithful to her husband. Temperate. Temperate means steady, not impulsive, not given to mood swings. So a person is not up one moment and down the other and, and inconsistent and unpredictable in moral areas. We're not talking necessarily about other areas where, where to be able to swing from one extreme to the other might be valuable. We're talking about steady, spiritual, moral living. Self-controlled, not under the control of fleshly actions or attitudes, not under the control of anger, not under the control of jealousy, not under the control of revenge. So if I'm offended, it doesn't mean that I hit you harder and try to offend you more. It's not the quality that you want to see in an elder. Not arguing. Arguing in the Scripture actually is considered sinful. Now, uh, a moderate debate that's done in... um, a, a good atmosphere of civility, that's acceptable and it's encouraged. But arguing in the sense of destroying your opponent, that is not considered to be a good thing among an elder. Respectable, that means has the respect of others in the church. So in the Christian community, looking for people who universally the community in the church would say that person lives a respectable, quote-unquote, good life. Next slide. Hospitable, wants to open their home and does open their home uh, to receive strangers and travelers. This was really important in the ancient world because the traveling conditions were tough and the inns were not so hot. So to open the home and have a person in and to be hospitable was very important. Able to teach, particularly to post false doctrine. First Timothy and Second Timothy both are, have to do with, and so does Titus, has to, has to do with how to combat false doctrines that were entering into the churches at the time. And so able to teach is important for an elder. It doesn't mean they're a great teacher. It doesn't mean that they teach all the time. It simply means that they have an, enough doctrinal knowledge to be able to speak well when there is false teaching that is circulating. Next, one who manages or takes care of his own family well. For if a man cannot manage or take responsibility for his own household, how can he take care of God's church? So there's an analogy between family life and church life. So looking at the family and and being able to form a judgment, this is a good family, this is a solid family, this is a family that produces good fruit, that's important. If you see that in the home, then you're likely to see it within the church. Respected and obeyed by his children, and I want to emphasize here, while in the home, you know, when our children reach the age of adulthood, uh, and become responsible for their own lives, we, we can't have much control and shouldn't have much control except spiritual and prayer control over their lives. But while they're in the home, there's a respect and an obedience by the children of the elder, well-respected in the surrounding community. That's similar to blameless or without approach, ne- reproach. Next slide, please. Not given to drunkenness. 
Right? So we find in the scripture, this church teaches it, I believe the scriptures teach it okay to do some drinking socially. Uh, it's okay. But uh, the line is drunkenness, and an elder cannot engage in drunkenness. Not violent, but gentle when provoked or opposed. So again, this attitude, these are all moral characteristics that were very important to the early church in terms of their leadership. So when you are provoked, when you are opposed, when you are insulted, when you are attacked, how do you respond? Do you respond with a kind of verbal violence? Do you respond with, a, with I'm going to slam this person as hard as I can and destroy him? Or do I respond with gentleness? Gentleness does not mean non-response. It simply means that when you speak back, you're going to observe norms of civility that were universally accepted in the ancient world that, again, defined what a good person was going to be like. Not a lover of money. Very important. Very important. Money is a real snare. And uh, the early church um, has kind of a, a, a dual understanding of money. On the one hand, to be prospered and have money. It's a good thing. We can use it to, to spread the kingdom of God, and we can use it to, uh, uh, to produce prosperity in society. It's a good thing, on the other hand, to have a love of money, particularly an inordinate kind of lust for money, is really uh, a negative in Christianity. Not a recent convert subject to pride, if so. So simply someone who's been in the faith long enough not to be, um, become conceited and prideful over the position that you're going to be occupying. And I've seen that. I've seen people who uh, get into eldership here at the church. We've been around for a few decades, and I've seen people who have been elders who, when they get that title uh, placed into their lives, it, 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 it seems to change them in a negative way, and that's not a good thing. So this is a functional position in the body of Christ, and we need to understand it that way. It's a, it's a servant leader position that we exercise towards those around us. There are related, related passages right there. You can take a look at that if you want to. Next slide, please. What are the biblical roles of elders? Eldering is essentially pastoral. In these pastoral functions, hmm, that's a bad sentence right there. Hmm, I don't know what that means. But essentially, uh, these pastoral functions, these eldering functions are, this is what elders do. Number one, Give care, concern, and attention to church members and their ministries. And we're building something into our eldership that ensures that our elders are going to be doing that. That's a little bit different than before here in the church, and I think this, is, this will be an upgrade. Secondly, manage, rule, be responsible for all aspects of the church. Includes decision-making with regard to tough situations. As you all know, if you've been around church for any length of time, there are difficult situations that arise that must be dealt with, sometimes requiring correction, sometimes requiring uh, even discipline at times. That's rare, but it sometimes does happen, and so elders are responsible to make that kind of decision. They lead by example and by giving, giving instruction and direction. So in a way of coming alongside the people in the church, and how are you doing? What's going on with your life? Uh, how can I pray for you? How can I suggest ways to make your life uh, more godly? T- 
teach and preach. Some will do this and receive double honor, which in the scripture where this, men, this concept is mentioned, double honor means financial compensation. So some elders will engage in full-time vocational ministry and be recompensed for that. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Be able to teach and correct false teaching. Again, we talked about that. Keep guard over the church in all ways. To protect and guard the church is really an important eldership function. Shepherd and sheep. Everything that in the ancient world the shepherd did on behalf of the sheep, the elder is expected to do on behalf of the church. Now, does that mean that every elder is a, an Ephesians 4.11 pastor? No, it does not mean that. But it means that as a body of leaders, they are orienting themselves toward shepherding, toward taking care of a, a flock of sheep, a group of people, Christian people, who are uh, sheep of the great shepherd. And so we take care of them in all ways. Guardianship is one of them. Protection, doing spiritual warfare on a regular basis, being able to speak to people who are going astray in gentleness and in love to restore them. Must not lord it over, dominate or control the church. We could get into a lot of things where, not in this church, thank the Lord, but in other churches there have been abuses of authority that have occurred, and uh, some during the shepherding discipleship movement of the uh, late 60s into the 70s were, were almost ludicrous. I have to go to my elder and I have to get his permission in order to find out where I'm going on vacation. No. Can expect to be obeyed when decisions need to be made and submitted to by means of respect of the congregation. It's kind of a loose uh, translation of, of Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Talks about how we as a congregation relate to our leaders. We, uh, we do obey them when they come out with a decision or we could leave the church if you don't agree. I mean, that's, I think that's a legitimate reason to lead Leave a church. If you don't agree with the decision-making of the elders, then, then you can leave a church, uh, I think, legitimately. Okay, so let's go on. Next slide. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over, exercise control over their people. Officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you it will, not, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Elders must be servants who exercise authority over a local church with concern and care. Next slide, please. Specific requirements for elders here at the barn. Combination of veterans and newcomers, older and younger, men and women, known well by the church. There's a strain of truth in the New Testament that the church ought to know their leaders, know them, doesn't mean they're best friends, but know their lives, interact with them, relate to them. And so we want all of our leaders to be known by the church, and that will require a certain amount of time spent between joining the church and becoming an elder here. Well respected by all. Dedicated to prayer, to strengthening the three-part identity of the barn as. You want to be committed to this if you're an elder. That here, this, this church is a loving church family. We're a regional well of the Spirit. We're an apostolic center that equips and releases many into kingdom ministry. 
Also, whose lives show good ministry fruit. We want our elders to show some ministry fruit, either as home group leaders or as worship leaders or in some other capacity showing the ability to set goals and and take people in a certain direction and do it with grace and do it with good fruit. Next slide, please. They have a specific call from God to focus on shepherding the barn vineyard church. Now, listen. Some people who are qualified to be elders will not be called by God to be elders because God will simply give them another assignment. They still need the good quality character, right? They still have gifting, but not everybody in that category is called to be an elder. An elder is a person who's got to focus on the local church. This is where you want to spend time and attention. This is where you want to give kingdom Uh, fruit from your life into that group of people. You have a focus on the entire church, not just a little specific part of a church. That's great. But there's some, some understanding that is built into you that you are for the whole church and you want to help the whole church. There's servant leaders who care for, serve, encourage, instruct, build up, coach, direct, equip, and release barn members into the fullness of their God-given gifts and ministry. Isn't that a wonderful goal? To bring everybody in the entire church into the fullness of who God has made them to be. Do you guys know that when you're doing what you are gifted and called to do by God, you are happy? And when, converse, when you're not doing that, you can be relatively miserable. Right? Because there's a joy that comes from being in the center of God's will, doing exactly what you can do by the grace of God and what you're called to do by the Spirit of God. Elders are willing and able to give active prayerful attention to caring for barn members and resolving church issues. So you have the time and the energy and the willingness to do that. Next slide, please. We'll work as a team who prays into and discuss situations requiring eldership decisions to reach agreement as to God's will. If impasses occur, Bruce and Lynn... As co-senior pastors, we'll make the final decisions. But we expect that the team will work together in order to reach agreement and to understand that in that agreement will be Jesus' will for the church and for situations, and we'll move forward in that way. And so I think the next slide. Oh, ooh, barn elders will serve for one year, then reevaluate whether the position is for them. They will meet together once every two months. Meet over email or conference calls as needed. Pray regularly for the church's protection from the enemy and empowerment by the Spirit. Provide how are you doing past these two, these last two are the new wrinkles. All right? Provide how you doing pastoral care for a number of people in or coming into the church, particularly those not in home groups. We want everyone in this church, everyone, no one left out to receive the care of a God-appointed shepherding person. Every person, every man, woman, child, we want you all to have some contact with the shepherding anointing that the great shepherd releases to those who are placed into a shepherding position in the church. That's good for everybody. And we don't want anybody isolated. So we want each elder to be part of taking maybe 10, 12, 15 people in the church and maybe once a quarter checking in with them. How are you doing? What's going on in your life? How can I pray for you? So that's kind of check-in pastoral care. And the second 
New wrinkle, provide prayer, encouragement, and oversight to at least one ministry working group in the church. All of our ministries will be organized into working groups, clusters of people who will get together and pray and seek God and then build ministry together in the church. And so we would like each of our elders to have an oversight over uh, at least one working group. Okay, next slide. And I think, all right. There are our new elders, right there. Good. No tomatoes being thrown. That's great. Good. All right, let's stand together. We're going to install the new elders here at the barn uh, in two weeks. Not next week, but the week following. So God, we thank you for leadership that you give to us, God. We thank you that you have provided qualified leadership here at the barn for us, Lord. And we look forward to receiving the ministry they will give. And uh, we look forward to the growth and the health of this church because you have established within us your own shepherding heart, your own leadership heart will be reflected by these men and women who will step into this position So we praise you and thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Healing ministry to my left. Prophetic ministry to my right. Anything else here in the middle? Can I add something? PJ, yes. Hold on.